We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there, so have fun listening. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Eurostep. I'm Kane Pittman. I'm joined, as always, by the man who was on the Wisconsin Herd beat and uh, has now hit his off-season, Ty Windish. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nice, you know. Uh, I think like the herd players, I got sent home quicker than we hoped this season, uh, especially after the first half of what was a very promising, you know, inaugural year last season. But you know, it is what it is. I'm just here refining my game, focused, trying to get ready for the start of next year. What was I? Don't think I didn't. I mean, we didn't discuss this, but I was just thinking the season's done now. What do you have a a highlight? I guess of the season. Um, from the herd this year, I know that. I mean, they just they didn't win a lot of games. I know that's that's a fact. But was there a highlight or, or something that you look back on that was? It could be. I mean, I guess for you personally or, or the team, whatever. I don't, I, whatever you feel like uh, uh, remembering back on. I'll, I'll go with mostly the teams. I think that's what people really uh, tune in to hear about. I think you know there were some very dramatic you know wins, like comeback wins that came to the end. I, I can't remember the specific team now, but. They went with a real skeleton crew and, and pulled out a real gutsy win later in the year. I know Coach Brady said that was the best win he'd been a part of as a as the coach of the herd. I think as a coach at all. But for me, the for the team highlights, it's really about players developing, which I think is the whole point of the G League. So yeah. like yeah, watching Christian Wood dominate was awesome, but I think personally watching Michael Qualls and Siobhan Thompson really come along and, and sort of either improve as players as the season went on or at least sort of solidify themselves. 
I thought both of those guys looked excellent by the end of the season. I mean, Thompson had a perfect game. He had a couple double-doubles late. And really, his touch seemed to improve a lot, whereas early he was mostly just a cleanup guy on offense and a, a, a good defender, a good vocal defender. He started to do more on offense late. And Mike Qualls is – I mean, if you've might watched Mike Qualls play, you, you already know he's a risk taker. I think the way I termed it I liked best was he always swings for the fences. And his yeah. his offensive game came around a lot. Still probably takes too many risks, but uh, certainly improved and, you know, ended up with some really nice averages there for the last few games of the season. So I would probably say those those guys improving was some of the most fun. Uh, and also, just personally, quickly – this was my first year with the the all season credential. Last time I was on single game credentials all year, so that was sort of a cool thing personally to get you know the more permanent style credential, and you know went a whole year without getting it yanked. So that's probably an accomplishment in itself. <laughs> yeah, I, I will I will say I, I went to a couple of herd games and it was a lot of fun. I don't know how many of the uh, the listeners have been to a herd game. I always hope that, and not not that all our listeners are, live in Milwaukee, but. I was, uh, you know, I've always thought that it would be cool if they could they could play a game in Milwaukee this season. I, I don't think they did, but uh, it's fun. I had a good time there, and, and the game I went to and covered, and the, we were both at that. It was triple overtime, and and they got the win there. So it's uh it's a fun time. I I think that as you said, the point of that is developing players, and we see yesterday, and we'll talk about the Bucks games now. Uh, Bonzi Carlson, a guy that you've seen uh, play a lot for the herd. Uh, scores his first points and and moments like that are fun and and I, I think that that uh, is the reason the herd are there and I'm sure you know Jordan Brady and the herd would like to win more games next year but uh, it is about developing players and the, for the Bucks anyway and 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 hopefully uh, getting some guys get a chance in the NBA but for the Bucks they uh, win back to back games on the Friday and the Sunday uh, they finally get some bodies back coming off that loss in in Cleveland that we spoke about in the last episode but. Uh, they beat the Heat 116-87, and then yesterday in the day game over the Cavs, they win 127-105. So two blowout wins for the Bucs. Uh, importantly, Giannis gets through and plays both. He goes down again, holding his ankle against the Heat on Friday night. Uh, there was a lot of speculation that he wouldn't play, and I must admit, coming up, up against this Cavs team, uh, I thought that he might sit out this one, uh, but he comes out and plays yesterday. 26 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 blocks. And as he does, proves that uh, you know he he couldn't have been at hundred percent. But when he comes out there and plays, he uh, he is uh, just puts on a show. And then the Cavs had no way of stopping him yesterday. Nine dunks for Giannis on the day. But some of the things I wanted to talk about are two guys that I wanted to talk about in this pod that we seen uh, really play well yesterday. George Hill uh, has a, a Bucks season high seventeen for him, seven for eight from the field. Uh, he, hits a, he hits a three as well, but he just looked really explosive off- offensively. It looked like his first step was back and showing no signs of any uh, ill effects from the from the adductor or the, or the groin injury. So that's a really, really good sign for a, for a player that's become pretty important with the Bucks' second unit uh, defensively, but now we're starting to see the offense click. And the other guy was a guy that I've, I talked a lot about in the last pod, Sterling Brown, 12 points, uh, five of eight shooting, two for three from, from downtown. And uh, he's definitely shaken any concerns about his wrist. Uh, and the fact that, you know, he was shooting those threes after having that wrist injury, I think is a really good sign. So for mine, uh, those two guys uh, were big. Uh, what what did you think, I guess, of, of Hill and Brown? What did that mean to get them back? And, uh, you know, any, any general thoughts, I guess, about yesterday or, or the Heat game? Well, I mean, just seeing, I mean, the Heat game, again, like I think the biggest moment in the whole thing was, 
everyone again collectively holding their breath when when Giannis went down. Thankfully, you know, able to return and then play, you know, against Cleveland as well. From the Cavs game in particular, just watching those two players, George Hill and Sterling Brown, who we both agreed are the very crucial bench guys, and hey, maybe one of them will even start in, in Malcolm Brogdon's absence going into the postseason. Seeing both of those guys come back from relatively recent injuries, very recent, I would say, for both of them, and play well and look healthy and look comfortable. I mean, that was that's really what I'm watching for for the rest of the end of the year now. I mean, getting the 60 wins would be awesome, both in the fact that it's a cool number and that it would seal up home field or home court throughout the playoffs. But really, in, in terms of on the court, what I'm looking for is, okay, do the guys who are coming back look healthy? look comfortable, you know, is the team playing well together? All signs pointed to yes in this Cavs game. And, and Cleveland hasn't been a world beater, but as we remarked after the Cavs beat the Bucks, they have been better lately as Colin Sexton's gotten better and they added guys back. I mean, they had 32 minutes of Kevin Love, and that's certainly the best player, even with all the time he missed this season. So it was nice to see the Bucks really handle this team and to see those two guys come back and shoot a combined 12 for 16 from the floor three for five from deep. And we know, they, we know they're going to bring it on the defensive end. But to see both of them score like that too, I mean, if, if even one of those guys is on that level in the postseason after you factor in Giannis and Chris and Middleton and, you know, probably Lopez as well, that just adds so much to the, this team overall. Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, obviously with Miritich out now uh, and, and also Brogdon, who was already out long-term, we know about that. So, to get 46 points from the second unit that's already a little bit depleted uh, is, is really big for this team and, and is going to be uh, you know, crucial, even though we spoke in the last pod about uh, the rotation probably tightening up uh, down the uh, in the playoffs. But uh, the big thing for the, between the Heat game and the Cavs game is with all these guys banged up and, and the fact that uh, you know you, you at, at some point you, you need to uh, get some guys some run but also you want to try and rest some of the, probably the starters and, and Milton Lopez and Bledsoe, three guys in particular that have hardly missed a game all season. I don't think Lopez has missed one. So, um, you know, for these guys to to play uh, minimal minutes, Milton doesn't get over 30 in the two games. Neither does Lopez and Bledsoe uh, also are able to keep his minutes under 30. So Bud's done a great job of, uh, you know, again, making sure that these bench guys are ready to play, but also getting the starters rest in games so they are still winning games, ensuring that they do lock up this uh, home court uh, advantage uh, and, and go into the playoffs feeling fresh. So, look, you, you would love for some guys to get a complete night off, but if they're not going to get a night off, do your work early, build the lead in the third quarter and get these guys uh, you know, some bench time in the fourth quarter. So Bud's done a really good job of doing that all season. Giannis pointed to uh, post-game last night the fact that this season has been different and he has been able to get more rest and the fact that it's a little bit difficult for him because he wants to play all the time, but he understands that this is this is the benefit in him. He pointed to the fact last night and it was kind of a strange comment because he's missed games recently with his knee, but he said last night that he has no knee pain at the moment. He's, uh, the, the pain that was there this time last year is gone now. Uh, he's feeling really good. So yes, his ankle has been a concern over the last week or so when he keeps uh, rolling that. But it's important to note that he did say that, that his knee's feeling really great. Uh, he's not uh, suffering any real pain from that at the moment. So um, that's big for the Bucks. And, and uh, you know, while it does feel like everyone's starting to fall over a little bit, it's it's nice to see the Bucks get through games, win games, uh, and, and keep those minutes down. 
No, absolutely. I mean, keeping the minutes shorter is something where, you know, I've used per 36 stats to sort of show how great Giannis has been just because he's played less minutes. And there are people out there who have said, oh, you know, availability is a skill, whatever else, you know, you should play more. And it's like just all that we know about how the NBA works these days, you know, getting ready for the playoffs, not playing your stars too many minutes in games they don't need to win if your team is good enough. I mean, playing less minutes and winning is is a, a good thing. It's unquestionably a good thing. You know, playing less minutes because a guy can't stay on the floor is different. But, you know, Giannis has been mostly healthy. He's missed games here and there, obviously. But I'd say for the most part, he's already at 67 games, so almost certainly hit 70, which is, I think, anything less, anything more than 70, I feel like, is usually regarded as a pretty healthy season. I mean, guys are going to miss games. This isn't the 60s and 70s anymore. But I don't know. I just think it's kind of ludicrous to look at Giannis playing, let's see, the least minutes per game in years. I'm sure he is at 32.9. So this will be the lowest since his sophomore season when he first became a full-time starter, really kind of in the rookie year. But that year was kind of a mess anyway. Um, it's just unquestionably good, and it, it should mean good things in the postseason. Well, there you go. I mean, that that, that really does uh, paint the picture for how well he's been managed through the season, and despite that, still putting up the ridiculous numbers. But uh, the Bucks, uh, in that win against the Cavs, they they notched their 42nd uh, win by double digits. Uh, I did see a tweet today, and I know Golden State was one of the teams. Denver maybe was the other team. I think the uh, second uh, for double-digit wins in the NBA, they are on um, 29. So, that's another indication. We know you point to all the stats, net rating, the fact that they're number one defense uh, in the league, uh, top five offense. Uh, it points to a pretty dominant uh, regular season for the Bucks, but that in itself is ridiculous. The, the fact that 42nd or 42 out of their 55 wins have come by double digits. Last year total, they only had 14 uh, wins by double digits. So they've just blown teams away all season. But while we are talking about injuries and availability, uh, Tony Snell was the guy that uh, stepped into the starting lineup for the for the past two games, and uh, he went down hard. Uh, Jetty Osmond tried to take a charge, and and you know to be fair, I thought Osmond was in pretty decent position, but uh, Snell gets the blocking call, gets the free throw line, but twists his uh, left ankle pretty severely uh, going down. He he did come back on the floor and and took the free throws and played a couple of more minutes, but. That was it for him. Bud Postgame did say that uh, it was a pretty serious uh, ankle sprain uh, after the game when we were in the locker room. His ankle was big. like It was Oof. seriously swollen. Uh, that left ankle, he uh, was not walking around too well at all. Um, there was a lot of players sort of patting him on the back. I know uh, Vin Baker was in there at one point just uh, you know, sort of patting him on the back and had some words to him. So my feeling is that he's going to miss some time. And, and we haven't had any uh, you know indication of that from the Bucks? So we've seen miracle recoveries before, and Giannis is one of those that that has recovered pretty quickly from ankle sprains. But my feeling is that Tony Snell is probably going to miss some time. He uh, he went to the shower. He actually went to the showers and wheeled himself into the showers on uh, on the chair in front of his locker, an office chair. Wheeled himself in because he, he didn't want to walk. So look, it's uh, it was a, a pretty significant injury, and for again for a guy that came into the starting lineup, and yesterday was playing really well. 12 points, uh, 4 for 6 from the field. He had 10 points in the start on Friday against Miami. So, uh, you know, this would be a blow for the Bucks, And again, a little test of their depth if he, and does, um, if he indeed does miss some some real time. So uh, that's a blow uh, for Tony. That's a blow for the Bucks, 
And again, now it throws up the possibility of uh, what I mentioned a lot in the last podcast, that I thought that Sterling Brown might be a guy that would work his way into the starting lineup anyway. So uh, we may see that as, as early as tomorrow against Houston, but uh, for the Bucs, uh, you know, they, they just, they, these little injuries are just starting to build up. Pau Gasol is another one who, uh, when we spoke to him in the locker room the other night, said there was just a little bit of minor ankle aggravation. It wasn't too, uh, nothing too serious. And then the next day it's revealed that he's out for a month. So look, the injuries just keep lingering for the Bucks at the worst possible time. But, uh, you know, yeah, I, I don't know if you, you saw that snow. I didn't see it on TV. I only saw it live, but it, it looked like it was a pretty serious role. Yeah, it did. It looked pretty serious. It's, you know, I, I kind of got faked out by the fact that he took the free throws, but Clearly, you know, if his ankle's that big and the Bucks are as good as they are, not, not like they're fighting to make the postseason, you know, it seems like likely that, uh, you know, I'll, I'm just going to go with your take. It seems like he could uh, he could have to sit out for a little bit there. Um, it, it's certainly, it's just stressful, these injuries. You know, life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. And that's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. That's a lot of money. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's get E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com. One last time for the true ethos fans out there, that's getethos.com. Well, you, you've, you've killed it again. Uh, another superb bad read uh, by you. Uh, but uh, we, we, you know, away from the court yesterday, we saw... A pretty special moment, I think, for for long term Bucks fans and and recent Bucks fans that have enjoyed uh, the work on Fox Sports Wisconsin from Marcus Johnson. He's uh, he's an incredible announcer. I I don't or unfortunately I, I don't get to listen to him and, and enjoy his work as much as I have in the past. But he's excellent on the mic and and as a player, one of the forgotten superstars. I feel like of the seventies and eighties. When you watch highlights of this guy, it's kind of crazy to me that. You know, when you think that he's not someone that is, you know, commonly uh, spoken about as one of the stars from that era, but uh, he certainly was that. And uh, yesterday, he gets his uh, jersey retired or number retired, number eight, is up in the in the rafters in Fiserv, and it was it was a really fun ceremony, and it was uh, it was cool for a number of reasons. Obviously, uh, you know, for us being at the game and getting a chance to to speak to Marcus before the game and ask him, a, you know, a question or two and see how excited and, and proud he was at this day and something that he, he admits that he's been waiting for for a long time. It was really cool. I, I think, um, you know, for guys like myself and, and you and, and the guys around our age and younger that, that didn't get a chance to watch those really great Bucks teams, it, it's cool to, to hear someone like that talk about those times and what he was able to do and, and how great that team was. So uh, for Marcus, uh, again, a, a long time overdue, but... Uh, what did you think of the ceremony yesterday? Because, uh, like I said, it was, I think everyone, I haven't seen that many people stay in their seats at halftime and, and watch a ceremony like that. It was uh, it was a pretty special moment. No, certainly agree. You know, 
seeing all the players from back then talk about Marcus, I feel like gives you a lot of the context that I mean, obviously myself as well. I didn't I didn't get to watch him play live, unfortunately. But uh, you know, all these legends talking about how great he was. Um, you know, I think Junior Bridgman said he's better than some other small forwards. That guy in Boston, that guy in Philadelphia, that guy in New York, some some legends there if you want to connect the dots or even if you have to use basketball reference to figure out who was playing in those cities at forward back then, but some some very prestigious names, I promise you. Um, and the thing about Marcus is these days, you know, this isn't this doesn't probably have mostly a ton to do with his number getting retired, but just in terms of pure broadcasting, it feels like he's always been one of the ones to be up with advanced stats, at least since he came back to do the Bucks beat. You know, he reads a lot. One of the coolest moments of my very young at the time blogging career was uh, I, I think Adam running Adam McGee running the behind the Bucks pass page at the time when I was writing back there. Sort of Marcus said something on the broadcast, I think about Greg Monroe, and, and Adam used it as a plug. You know, if you agree with Marcus right there, you know, Ty wrote something similar. Here's that. And and Marcus actually replied and said, oh, I know, I, I got it from his, his column. I, I read it. And I was just stunned back then, both at, you know, how personally cool it was that Marcus Johnson reads my stuff. And, you know, this is a guy who in terms of, in addition to what I knew of him, you know, I, my talking to my dad who watched those teams and he was like, oh, yeah, he was he was phenomenal. But just the fact that he's so tuned in to be reading, you know, a blog that has become, I think, a very important place for Bucks coverage. It was less so at the time although we, we always tried to grow it, but he's just very plugged in as a broadcaster. I, from what we heard, he was very plugged in as a player too. I mean, going to coaches of different sports and, and these things to get an edge. So it just seems like he's the kind of person who put in the extra work to be great and really worked with Don Nelson and, and made those Bucks teams in the early 80s and very late 70s really, really, really good. Yeah, that, I mean, first of all, that's a really cool story. I know that uh, I haven't through... Um, being in Milwaukee, I haven't had the chance to talk to Marcus too much, but um, I know that that's that's something that I've I've been told about him before. That uh, you know, you'd be surprised, uh, you know, that he he does have his finger so closely on the pulse in terms of um, you know not just the the national stuff, but he, he follows all the Bucks coverage closely. And and I agree. I mean, that's that's a really really uh, cool little personal story for yourself, but. Uh, yeah, again, I mean, you, you see how much respect this guy has around uh, the franchise when uh, we were there yesterday and, and there were some great, really great photos that, that went out, um, I think, and I, I don't like to give her much credit, but I think uh, Katie George, I think, posted a, a really uh, cool photo of sort of Tony Snell had his arm around Giannis, or it might have been from the box, I don't know, I think Katie tweeted it, but it was a really cool photo and to see the whole uh, Bucks team out there, um, you know, not warming up, but just enjoying the ceremony. And then Giannis walk over to Marcus and give him a big hug before he started getting some shots up. I think that's, you know, you, you really understand the level of respect from the whole team, but particularly between Giannis and uh, and Marcus. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's a really special thing. And I, I think for Giannis also, and, and we sort of asked him about this after, or I think... Uh, it was either Eric or Matt. Uh, I'm not sure. One of them asked Giannis about whether he was thinking at the time that he could be the next, you know, number retired in Milwaukee. And I think that's an entirely realistic possibility. I, I don't know who else would sort of jump ahead of him in that period. I, I don't personally think that there's anyone uh, that could do so. And I mean, I'm as big a Ray Allen fan as anyone. He was the reason why I enjoyed the game. But I don't think that Ray Allen is an option. 
obviously he wears 34 anyway. But so I, I think it's entirely realistic that Giannis is the next jersey that goes up, uh, next number that goes up in, in, in the rafters. So uh, he denied that he was thinking about it. But, I mean, he has to know that uh, that's that's his path. And um, with all the other things that, that he's potentially got, uh, coming up for him over the next few months and, and the rest of his career, Giannis, I, I think, was probably taking a little bit of time to reflect there. And, uh, you know, for, for, for when you think about him and, and all the personal achievements he may have coming up, you don't have to look much further than tomorrow night when the Bucks, uh take on uh, Houston. So uh, this one's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I think that there's one narrative that everyone's going to be interested in. It's going to be the MVP. Uh, I, I'm sure that you're going to be watching this one. I think it's on TNT. But uh, what are you what are you looking for in this matchup? And is it as simply uh, as simple as just Giannis v Harden right now? You know, I think the the interesting part and what makes the MVP race so fascinating is I don't think it'll be Giannis v Harden. I think it'll be Harden versus the Bucks. And that's sort of, I mean, I think you would agree if Giannis wanted to, and if you know the team cared enough or needed him to. He could play 37 minutes per game and probably not miss too many more games and put up some even more phenomenal numbers if that's really what it took. You know, he could he could take more shots and use the ball even more when he's out there and, and pass a little less probably if if again if that's what he wanted to do or he felt like the team needed. But Giannis wants to win and and that's it and he can put up these terrific numbers while winning as we've seen clearly. So I think you know a lot of the game will come down to you know if I assume Harden will play you know how how good of a job the Bucks can do preventing him from doing hardened stuff. It's it's not easy. No one completely does. I mean, he's put up big numbers already in the first matchup against Milwaukee this year. I mean, the guy is just phenomenal. He can do – he can score from anywhere. Even if he doesn't get his fouls, he can usually get a lot of points just through pure shot making. But I think if you really just make him score against you over and over – I think you have a chance if you play team basketball to just outlast them. And I think Eric Gordon could miss the game. And I know Gerald Green's already been ruled out. So the Rockets will also be a little bit shorthanded when they take on Milwaukee. Yeah, I I, I think to just touch on your point about Harden, uh, again, uh, this is something I always say when uh, not only the Bucks are playing uh, the Rockets, but really any team. Uh, the point or the key uh, thing to think about with James Harden is that you're probably not going to stop him from scoring 30 points. He's probably going to get 30, and he might get 40. But you have to make him get those points from taking step-back threes from you know 32 feet. And he's consistently hit those this year, but if he's going to hit those and that's how he's going to get his points, then fine. You, you tip your hat and say this guy is an, is a, you know, a historic offensive player, and that's what's going to happen. What you have to avoid for the Bucks tomorrow night is allowing this guy uh, – to start to get momentum, getting downhill, getting into the paint, getting those calls that uh, fans get frustrated about, and living at the free throw line. If if James Harden has sort of uh, you know eighteen to twenty free throws, potentially more, you're going to be in trouble. And he's going to he's going to go from having a thirty or forty point game on twenty five shots to probably putting up fifty, maybe sixty, and then you're you're in a real uphill battle. So I think that that's the key. Um, that's the key for the Bucks for stopping Harden. But just for a more you know, broader perspective, this MVP race, I, I think now, I, I've always been in the seat that I, I thought that Giannis was going to win it. And I thought that he would get the votes. I thought the narrative fit well with him being a, uh, a potential first-time winner, where he's come from, the story that we all know so well. 
uh, the fact that how unlikely it was that he was going to get to this point and how hard he's worked. And um, I, I just think it's an incredible story. And, and, and Giannis deserves the MVP. His numbers are incredible, 27 points, uh, you know, over 12 rebounds, six assists, one steal, one block. No one's put up those numbers before across the season. So uh, there's no question that he's having an MVP-type season. But when you compare that uh, next to James Harden and look at the way he's scored, 27 40-point games, six of those 50-plus, uh, uh, two of those 60 points, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to deny. And, and even the record, which is something that I thought that the, the Giannis would have in his favor has tightened up a lot. And yes, the Bucks are still quite a, quite a margin ahead of uh, the Rockets in the overall standings. When you look at Houston now, they're up to a three seed, 47 wins. They're going to win 50 games, which is always outside of Westbrook the other year. The 50 game plateau is, is certainly uh, a mark that you feel that an MVP MVP's team has to get to. The fact that he's carried this team through all the injuries they had, and they're still going to get 50. I, I think that the storyline is is starting to lean towards Harden from a media point of view, which again you can not be happy about that, but that's who's voting for this for this award. So uh, look, I, I think it's a really really tight race now. Uh, obviously, the Bucks got the win in Houston. I think if Giannis has a huge night tomorrow on national TV and they beat the Rockets again, that's going to be big for his uh, chances. But uh, it, it's super tight right now. No, I agree. I think I think it's easy to look at and say the best player on the best team should get it. And I think that's fair. And in that case, it's obviously Giannis. And just to go into some other reasons that I believe he, he is the MVP. And, and I agree with you. I think Harden's case is strong. I think he is deserving. And I don't want to sit here and kind of unnecessarily denigrate him for any reason, you know, props to him for another terrific season and being one of the game's best offensive players ever. But Looking at Giannis's numbers, I mean, when you when you pull it out to all five of the counting stats, that's never happened before. What I like to do is look at the numbers he's put up without even figuring in all of them and see how rare it is to put up those numbers in, in any season ever. So he's only the second ever player to put up 27, 12, and 6 in a season. The first was Oscar Robertson uh, way back in the 60s. So that hasn't happened since I think it was like the 61 season. He's the ninth player to ever put up 1,800 points, 400 rebounds, and 400 assists in a single season. And that's only the 20th season that's ever happened. Mind you, he still has – the Bucks have eight games left. He's only played 67 games. The next closest member, the next fewest amount of games played in that club is 76. So with nine less games, you know, Giannis has already put up the pure bulk numbers. And again, we already talked about he plays less minutes per game than he could, than a lot of the guys I would probably, I didn't check, but probably all the guys on that list in the 1,800 points, 800 rebounds, 400 assist club, he's playing less than them, both in games and minutes played. He's already there because he's so efficient. He's the third person ever to put up those three, although those bulk numbers from points, rebounds, and assists. And then if you add his 80 steals and 99 blocks, I'm sure he'll get to 100 by the end of the season. The only two other players to ever do that are Kareem and KG. They either played 81 or 82 games every year in those seasons. Giannis, again, 67 so far. He also has the highest field goal percentage and true shooting percentage to ever do it. So more efficient, far more efficient, the same big numbers and less games played than legitimate legends. I mean, you're talking about great bucks. I think it's a a two-name list right now, and one of them is Kareem. And then finally, he's only the eighth player to ever score 25 points per game on a true shooting percentage of 64 or higher. So that's... Ignore the rebounds, the assists, the seals, the blocks, all the other great things he does. 
Only seven other players have put up 25 points per game on the efficiency Giannis has. I mean, the amount of things, like he can do any one thing really, really well. He's a great scorer. He's a good passer. His rebounding is great. His defense is great. I think the thing that sets him apart to make him the MVP is he does all of it. And he does it on the best team. And the narrative is great because we all know that matters more than it probably should. I don't know. I, I think Giannis should be the MVP. Yeah, I, again, I, I just think that there's so many numbers that you can point to as you have efficiency-wise and how you can argue the fact that, uh, you know, Giannis is playing, uh, it sounds ridiculous to say, but he is playing within himself uh, to a certain extent and within a, a system rather than a harder being the absolute system himself. And I, I think that, uh, you know, from people that, and look, to be truthful, uh, people that probably haven't watched the Bucks a lot, and people that uh, do just look at the stats, I, I think that it, it is easy to point to the numbers that the, some of the numbers I mentioned earlier for Harden in terms of his scoring, which is why I have some feeling that Harden is going to get a really strong push, um, you know, in the voting. But look, Giannis, uh, again, you you pointed to it at the start. His minutes are down, and and uh, he could be doing a lot more, which is ridiculous to say considering the numbers he's at. But the efficiency is is just incredible. Uh, I, he's taking. Uh, 7.6 less shots a game uh, than Harden. Uh, his three-point percentage is on the rise, 24% for the whole season, but he's shooting 32% in February and March. So everything just continues to improve for Giannis. Uh, he's already at an MVP level, and in my opinion, has been at an MVP level too last season as well. The Bucks' record obviously hurt him from being in real contention. But, uh, I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be one of those uh, MVP races that, you look at and you think, well, whoever wins it, you'd sort of tip your hat and say they've got a fair case to win it. Uh, I do think that if you look a little deeper into the numbers in terms of efficiency, in terms of defense, that we haven't really even touched on the impact that Giannis has on that end. Uh, I think overall, uh, you can't deny what Giannis has been able to do in terms of this team that's potentially going to win 60 games for the first time in, in a, just a long, 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 long time. So, uh uh, you, you know, you, you sort of pointed to some numbers that I really liked. I mean, some of the other ones uh, sort of defensively and individual defensive rating is a, a little bit sketchy because obviously it depends who you're playing with. But for Giannis, uh, 100.8 individual defensive rating and a net rating of 12.9 when he's on the floor, uh, whereas Harden only has a net rating of 4.6 and his defensive rating is 110.7. So he's given up uh, when they're when the he's on the floor for the Rockets, they're giving up ten more points per hundred possessions than the Bucks are with Giannis. I mean, we know uh, the numbers with Giannis on the floor and off the floor are incredible. He completely uh, you know turns the Bucks from a pretty good team into uh, one of the more dominant uh, regular season teams we've seen in a long time. So uh, there is a case for both. I think from our point of view, and and we watch Giannis as closely as we do every night, we would love to see Giannis win this. I, I, again, I think tomorrow night's going to be a whole lot of fun. But uh, I, I don't know whether I, I don't know how much Giannis is going to go into this wanting to prove a point. I, I mean, he's super competitive. Uh, he did deny it last night. I asked him straight up whether this game is going to mean anything more to him, whether he's going to come into this, uh, you know, with any added motivation. And he said no. He said he doesn't care about the MVP race. He doesn't care what people are saying about it. He's not going to campaign uh, campaign him for himself to win the MVP any more than he already does. If people don't want to vote for him, they're not going to vote for him. So um, <laughs> that's Giannis. That's the way he is. He's, he's different in that way. That's why we love him. But uh, again, I, my personal feeling is that uh, a big night for him and a Bucks win tomorrow night will go a long way. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, as weird as it sounds, this game could end up being the deciding factor for a lot of voters seeing these two go head-to-head so late when they're both of their seasons, you know, still the win would help both of these teams in seeding. You know, the Bucks trying to hold on to the top seed, the, the Rockets, I'm sure, trying to move up as far as they can or at least stay third, stay in that top half of the seedings. Uh, so many teams in the West are so close, things can change quickly there. But it's it's an important game, both for the, the teams actually and the standings, and, and not the standings, excuse me, and the, you know, the narratives, the MVP race, whatever, however you want to say it. So, you know, hopefully Giannis goes out and, and plays really well anyway. You know, we've seen feels like on national TV usually he'll uh, come with a little extra sauce anyway. So maybe even if he truly does ignore the uh, MVP buzz, he can come in and uh, give quite the performance against fellow MVP competitor James Harden. Yeah, it's going to be big. And you touched on the, on the uh, standings. I think we, um, you know, before we wrap this up, we should discuss where the Bucks are at at the moment because, uh, you know, the Raptors lose, and I'm sure most people have seen it by now, but uh, the half-court heave, Jeremy Lamb sinks. Uh, the Raptors keeps Charlotte just in touch for the for the eighth seed and in the process gives the Bucks a four-game lead over the Raptors. May as well be five with the tiebreaker. So uh, the Bucks' magic number to clinch the number one seed across the whole league, and which would give them, as we know, the game one of any series at Fireside Forum. Uh, you would hope that would mean that game one of the NBA finals would be right here in Milwaukee, which is just insane to think about. But the Bucks are looking really good. And, uh, you know, we asked Bud about the uh, the seedings, and I asked him about resting players and how difficult the balance is between wanting to keep the guys in sync, wanting to keep them in rhythm, and also getting them any rest if they're not 100%. He said, we are only looking at the games that are in front of us right now we're not looking ahead to the playoffs and resting anyone. We are playing guys if they're ready to go. So if you want to take that, uh, take his word for that, that would tell you that guys, uh, they're probably not looking to rest a, a whole bunch of guys down the stretch if they're healthy. Uh, obviously, he is monitoring minutes, which I already touched on. But for the Bucks, they are going to get an opportunity uh, with, uh, what do they got, eight games to go in the regular season. Only The magic number is only four to clinch the number one seed. So... Uh, but walking in a great spot, it would take an absolute disaster for, for them to slip out of first. So we'll see what they do in terms of man management, particularly with a guy like Giannis with the ankle. Uh, and, and as I mentioned, some of the other starters, they haven't missed a lot of games. So uh, they're going to have some flexibility down the stretch, but uh, you know, resting might not be at the forefront of Bud's mind. But I, I guess we're going to see how that, that, that rolls in the next week or so. I mean, I think maybe we'd even have more chance of seeing it if the team was healthier. But, you know, after a while, you know, you rest a couple of guys, all of a sudden the team is very short-staffed and whoever's left has to play bigger minutes. So I think that might hurt the chances a little bit. Although that, that last game of the season against a tough Oklahoma City team that might still be fighting for something at that point, I would hazard a guess that if the Bucks get to the 60 wins by then or if the top overall seed's locked up by then, Something tells me that might not be the most hard-fought game for the Milwaukee Bucks this season, but that's pure speculation. I don't want to make it sound like I have any sort of insight besides just someone who watches a lot of basketball, Bucks basketball, and talks to people. But this is not sourced or anything like that. Just a, a hunch I've kind of had since the very beginning of the season, honestly. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Buyer beware over the next two weeks uh, with Bucks tickets. Uh, you may be better off saving your money for the playoffs. I'm not too sure, but... Yeah, either way, I think even in the games that Giannis doesn't play, this Bucks team have proven to be super entertaining, uh, really fun to watch. And, and Fiserv, 
again, I mean, they're selling out every single game at the at the moment. The crowds have been incredible. So uh, a fun week ahead. I think we're going to get another a couple of really, really big crowds. Rockets uh, tomorrow on Tuesday, or maybe today, if you are listening on your morning commute. Uh, and Thursday, uh, they'll take on the Clippers. So, you know, a couple of really fun matchups at home against uh, playoff teams in the West that are right up there and, and competing for home court. So it's going to be a fun week for the Bucks. Uh, we will be back. Our next podcast is going to be, we're going to record after the Clippers game on Thursday night. So uh, that'll be a late one, but more than likely we'll be ready to go Friday morning for you guys. But uh, I think uh, we've we've covered what we wanted to cover with the Bucks and the Rockets tomorrow. Of course, the MVP is going to be the narrative in that one with, with Giannis taking on James Harden. Bucks looking to sweep the series against a team that you never know. They may be, they may be facing in June.